Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us again for Pro Bono Institute's Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm David Lipscomb, Director of Strategic Communications for PBI. The Pro Bono Happy Hour is our new series of podcasts in which we highlight law firm pro bono challenge signatories and law firm pro bono project members. In this edition, PBI Communications Specialist Yvette Crenshaw interviews George Cawthon, partner at Nelson, Mullins, Riley, and Scarborough. George, who chairs the firm's bankruptcy practice group, spoke to us about the structure of the firm's pro bono program, pro bono partnerships, and his firm's approach to encouraging lawyers to do pro bono. We hope you're comfortable wherever you may be, whether that's mid-commute, on your lunch break, or simply working at your desk. And we hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, George. Thanks for joining us today. We're just going to jump right in. And um, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about yourself and the pro bono program at your firm, that'd be awesome. Sure. Happy to do this. Um, the pro bono f- program here at Nelson Mullins started um, as a result of a firm retreat back in 1988. The focus was public service, and the firm was looking at what they could do to give back. And uh, so they decided that retreat to adopt a pro bono policy, uh, and they have a formal pro bono committee, and to give billable credit. Uh, and then once they set up the committee, they commissioned them to study various programs around the nation. And the uh, Pro Bono Institute and the uh, ABA were very helpful in, in getting those studies done. And we, we model ours a lot after what Hogan and Hartson had at the time. Now, you mentioned that the, you guys, um, I guess the structure kind of started with a committee. Who's on the committee? Do you guys have like a pro bono coordinator or manager? Who, who's on the Our committee? Our first cha- committee chair was um, former Governor Dick Riley. Um, they, they really wanted to start off to show how important it was, so they made a former governor who was later Secretary of Education the chair. Uh, and we've got a, a coordinator who works 60% of her time on pro bono coordination. We have a standing committee, which we have um, 14 offices. We try to have somebody from each of the offices on that committee, and they act as a cheerleader in their particular city uh, for pro bono for the, as the firm's offices. Uh, there's a pro bono chair, uh, and then there's me, who's the only permanent member of the committee. I've been on the committee for 25 years. Wow, that's awesome. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes over the years. Um, are there any specific changes that you want to elaborate on? Anything that you've seen, I guess, that's been kind of kind of big over the years? What's changed since you've been on the committee? I think the... Um, there's been one steady constant, and that's looking for large impact class action cases, uh, which have, we started doing those back in the early 90s because we were, we were really the only firm in South Carolina that could, could do something like this. As we've grown, we've brought those to other cities where they're more, those other cities are more comfortable with doing those kind of things. So that's, that's been a pretty big constant is, uh, is the class action large impact cases. Uh, and we get we get a lot out of those, but we also try to do a lot of the one-on-one cases because we don't want to ignore individuals. And, and we've had some 
uh, impressive cases on the one-on-one -on -one cases as well, but our bread and butter, so to speak, of our pro bono program is the big impact cases. Now, how do you get your attorneys to, do, do you guys um, let the attorneys choose which cases they want to take on or which pro bono projects they want to take on? How do you kind of match the project? We encourage people to find their own niche where they're comfortable in it. Like some of our IP lawyers, uh, they may not feel necessarily comfortable doing uh, family court work, but uh, if they find some arts group that needs some IP work, they'll feel comfortable doing that. So we, we, uh, we look for places like that that they'll feel comfortable doing it, but we also provide training to, to those people who are willing to do family court cases since those are the largest demand. Uh, and then, and then our, our, like our bankruptcy lawyers will do bankruptcy pro bono. Uh, our litigators will do a lot of litigation, impact litigation. Uh, it's, it's ironic though, our family court lawyers, they like to do criminal appeals. They, they, we can't get them into family court uh, where they're needed the most, but they love doing appellate criminal work. I know that you mentioned um, the training. Do you guys work with a professional development team or, or something like that? We do. We, we, uh, we tie in with South Carolina Appleseed and, and Appleseed organizations in other states, and we found that they're, they're pretty good about making training accessible to us. But we'll also hire people like uh, post-conviction relief things. We, uh, we were looking to do more of those, so we hired a former public defender uh, and he came and put on a training. Uh, the Attorney General in South Carolina uh, has this thing called um, Criminal Domestic Violence Special Attorney Generals. Unfortunately, in South Carolina, if it's a rural part of the state, uh, there aren't sufficient solicitors or prosecutors to try every first offense criminal domestic violence case. And so our firm, along with some other firms, volunteers to do those pro bono, the Attorney General runs that program and he puts on training to train our people to be deputy attorney generals to try these cases in the rural parts of the state. So at one point we were like 60% of his volunteer pool. It's also a sad commentary that we're in a poor state that can't afford to have enough prosecutors to prosecute first offense criminal domestic violence cases. But this, this is a nice supplement to it. How is pro bono celebrated or acknowledged within the firm? Do you guys have pro bono awards? I know that you mentioned you have a retreat. Um, is that kind of a place where you, I guess, acknowledge what your attorneys are doing? We do it a couple of ways, Yvette. We have a, a, a monthly newsletter that goes out that the firm does, and I'd say anywhere from a third to half of the newsletter is featuring our pro bono projects in the different offices because it's always the feel-good type of work that people like to read about. So we have the, the monthly internal newsletter. Uh, we have an end-of-the-year report that we use within the firm promoting our pro bono programs. At the retreat, we give out uh, the Scarborough Awards, named after Claude Scarborough, who was the head of the firm, who was really the big motivator behind our pro bono program. He's now deceased, but we still recognize him and honor him by giving out the Scarborough Awards. Uh, for the paralegals, we do the E.W. Mullins Awards uh, for pro paralegal pro bono work. Uh, and we've also recognized staff members when they've done particular things. Uh, we, we started the Wills for Heroes program uh, after 9-11, and 
one of the coordinators for that is the secretary. And so she was recognized with the Mullins Award one year because she had done such a heroic job in coordinating these wills throughout the firm. So you're awarding attorneys as well as non-attorneys? Correct. At your firm. That's great. That's great. And so that's it's good that you guys are encouraging everyone to get involved. And Well, and, and we've, we've got it in our firm policy that you're expected to meet your pro bono goals, uh, which are currently um, about 50 hours for every lawyer in the firm. So if you want to make partner, if you want to make a bonus, it, you're expected to meet your pro bono goals. Okay, switching gears a bit, um, you mentioned with the professional development question that partnerships with uh, organization, organizations such as Appleseed um, are, I guess, partnerships are something that you guys are are, are willing to um, to do, and they're becoming increasingly popular. Have you guys worked with anyone else, any other legal departments or firms or other public interest organizations? Yes, we've uh, we've placed an intern with uh, Atlanta Legal Services, uh, and that person worked for them for six months. We paid her salary, uh, but she worked for them doing uh, legal services work. And that, that's grown nicely because now she's on their – she got on their advisory board, and then after she made partners, she's on their big board. And so we have this nurturing relationship between uh, people that we send off to things like that uh, and, and coming back. Um, and we've done the same thing with South Carolina Legal Services. Oftentimes, uh, we will offer to partner on a particular case if it's a complex piece of litigation where our uh, discovery skills may be helpful to the legal services organization. We will partner co-counsel with them, uh, and our lawyers get a lot of good education out of it, and legal services gets uh, a deeper pocket to help on litigation expenses. but also gets an amplified uh, manpower assistance. Now, what do, you, um, what do you see on the pro bono horizon for, for your pro bono program over the next year or so? Well, as, as the firm grows, uh, we, we try to give our new offices uh, a year's breather to get indoctrinated with the firm culture, not just pro bono, but other aspects of firm culture. But we try to bring our, our impact litigation to all of our offices, recognizing that some of the smaller offices can't, can't staff a case as well. But we'll staff a, a case in Massachusetts from assets in Virginia. We, we, we did one case that we partnered with Legal Services in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we don't have a Virginia office, but we staffed it for 15 years with assets from Raleigh, North Carolina, and from our D.C. office. So. We're, we're looking for more opportunities, not only where we practice, but in other offices in other cities where we don't practice. Because if, we, if we're willing to take billable cases in Richmond, Virginia, we should be willing to take pro bono cases in Richmond, Virginia. And we do. That's great. And how do you go about, is that just something you just send an email out and ask for, you know, anyone, you know, interested? And how do you kind of coordinate that? Well, first you have to have intake, and we have, we've got a wonderful pro bono coordinator, Nora Rogers, who's been on the job for at least 20 years, and she's so tied into the legal services and pro bono communities that, that people know about our program and then come to us and say, can you help? The other resources that we've had are uh, PBI uh, and the ABA Center for Pro Bono. Uh, that case in Richmond, Virginia, they were trying to move a homeless shelter outside of the city, 
and uh, we found out about that through the ABA, and we uh, partnered with uh, legal services on that one for a few years. Uh, so then, but then within, if it's placing a case within the firm, uh, she will target it, like if it's an IP case, she'll send it to the IP lawyers. And if that doesn't bite, then she'll send it out a little further afield with the, the pitch. I've got an IP lawyer willing to train. If you're willing to learn, uh, we'll, we'll place you on this case. Uh, and then finally, if, if we can't find somebody through email, uh, it's the old pick up the phone and, and make them feel guilty. Uh, and usually we can place it. If we don't have a conflict, we, we can usually place the case. Okay. That's great. That sounds really good. I'm sure um, a lot of other uh, pro bono programs who may not be thinking about um, doing pro bono cases where they're actually taking on billable cases, that's something that they could do. And, and uh, using your firm as an example, I think that's great. Um, lastly, if you had a magic wand, what one thing would you change about access to justice? I would uh, like to see, let's just try it for one year, try adequately funding legal services so that these great, wonderful legal services lawyers who are experts in their field can do their job properly and adequately. Uh, th that's my magic wand wish. Again, that was George Cawthon of Nelson Mullins Riley in Scarborough. We thank George for spending some time with us and sharing his insight. To listen to more podcasts in the series or to learn about additional pro bono resources, visit www.probonoinst.org podcasts. If you're interested in having your firm featured on the Pro Bono Happy Hour, please email us at probono at probonoinst.org. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you again soon on the Pro Bono Happy Hour.